Hi, I'm Orla McNeilis. And I'm Ricardo Deacon. And this is The Recommendation Game, a weekly film podcast where we take turns to recommend a film that the other has not seen. We watch it and then we meet to discuss it. So this week's film is In the Mood for Love, directed by Wong Kar Wai, produced by Wong Kar Wai, written by Wong Kar Wai. <laughs> Music by... Uh, okay. Wong Kar Wai? <laughs> <laughs> Music by Michael Galasso and Shigeru Umibayashi. Cinematography by Christopher Doyle and Mark Lee Pingbin. Edited by William Chang. Starring Maggie Chung and Tony Leung. And the IMDb synopsis is Two neighbours, a woman and a man, form a strong bond after both suspect extramarital activities of their spouses. However, they agree to keep their bond platonic so as not to commit similar wrongs. We will not be like them. That sounds like a fucking court document or something. It does. It literally is. Like, can we have the minutes of uh, <laughs> your platonic extramarital affair? The emotion, emotional affair, I think, is uh, uh, when they went to court to divorce <laughs> themselves from their their husbands. That's uh, the argument of the the lawyer. So this week's film was Spectre Ricardo. Yes, it was. Uh, why did you pick this film? Because I was in the mood for love. Yeah, simply because you're near me. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. Uh, it was, um, I don't know, it's uh, one of the, uh, an interesting kind of film in the sense of how it was received when it came out. It is considered one of the most uh, critically lauded films of the century. It would have been in most magazines, like Sense of Sound Sight and sound. Senses, uh, senses of sound. <laughs> list of 100 best movies. It's yeah, one of it's two. Always, yeah, it's uh, always whenever people do their list of like um, the first uh, best films of the first ha- like decade of um, the 21st century, it's always up there. But it also uh, has become somewhat divisive uh, amongst critics on... Uh, as the time has passed. Mm. Uh, particularly critics that started working... As critics after the movie came out, <laughs> uh, even like uh, another podcast, little uh, flesh, fledgling, sorry, <laughs> little fledgling critics. Yeah, <laughs> they're uh, yeah they're trying to to make it big by he's complaining talk- about what and why he's talking about millennial critics. I feel <laughs> yeah, um, but like, like even in uh, you know the podcast, the uh, film spotting does a next picture show. Yeah. Uh, the, it was interesting that of the four critics there, the two. What did they? What was the other film they did against? Uh, it? Moonlight. Oh. Which is like an interesting pairing. That is such. Oh wow! I'm definitely listening to that episode. Interesting. Um, okay. Uh, the Genevieve. Genevieve Kosky. Yeah. And, Genevieve. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> Natasha Robinson didn't really like the movie. Okay. Well, the two guys are like oh, fucking amazing, man. <laughs> um, oh, interesting. Is this a gender divide? Yeah, that's a like. I was gonna see like I picked it in part thinking it'd be interesting. If you don't take, I do think it's the kind of movie that if you're not blown away by like the emotion that is not on the screen that you pretty much have to like imply it yourself to put oh, in the movie i don't fully agree with that now but i know what you mean yeah like it's not there it is there but it's kind of like below the surface it's yeah, just yeah. good acting and stuff and i also think that like the themes that he the one car white hits in most of his movies but in this case this movie <laughs> is uh, are very interesting and worthwhile talking about especially in the context of 
current political climate and <laughs> and stuff. So uh, before I go any further rambling on, uh, what's your take on the movie? <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Um, this is actually, this is, <laughs> Ricardo's looking a bit scared. Um, this is the only film of his I've seen. And this is a film that um i've absolutely no idea how i'd never seen it and as soon as you said it i was like oh my god that's one of those movies that's been sitting on my must watch list probably since college like it is so prominent on best best of lists and it's just i yeah it's kind of like you and melville how i'm not really sure how i managed to avoid this this filmmaker for so long so um yeah i like i really like this (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, like pretty much from the moment it started I was like oh this is real. oh god like for a, like for a lot of reasons um it's interesting actually uh watching this not that long after watching um uh it happened one night because I think they they shared that similar theme of um the ero- erotic nature of chasteness yeah you know and how everything is completely under the surface and the entire but the entire frame is charged constantly and this is obviously taking it to a higher level this is this is a sexier movie definitely yeah. like i mean to the point at which you're you know it's it's very very intense very but at the same time completely ambiguous like you're never entirely sure what's going on in any of the characters minds it's all kind of implied by tiny gestures and i think what was my favorite thing about this movie was like its ambiguous nature, but also the fact that it's it's like you're he manages to create that kind of um, almost unattainable and by many filmmakers like that the nature of memory like yeah. this this is this it's everything about memory and and how often it, the things you remember are like you know like smells or tiny tiny little details. And he manages to do that, like, I think in a number of ways, and, like, talk about, like, visual style and stuff, but um, just to, like, touch on it, like, through close-ups and stuff, and, like, the tiny, tiny glances and tiny, like, there's, there's just so much, like, emotion and feeling and intensity, like, in every, like, part of this that, like, it's just, it's, like, you know, exuding it constantly. And I think it's quite, it's, it's like, it manages to be... And even Quite. like how it compresses time, as you yeah, were saying, a memory that, that yeah, exactly, you don't know that. how long it's been. Yeah, or and like how it long. is, it is like it's in so it is like a time sort of confusing, but at the same time, kind of in the way you you shuffle through, like it feels as if these people are this is thirty years in the future and they are remembering this time, like everything is like heightened. Like, you can almost, like, smell the noodles. You can almost, like, you know, you can almost touch... Oh, it made touch... me want to eat the noodles you... so much. Yeah. You can almost touch the fabric of her dress. Like, you can almost, like, imagine the touch of his hair. Like, everything is so evocative. And yeah, there's a lot of the... texture in the, the yeah, movie, really... even in the, the walls. And yeah. when they're standing outside in the rain... You just hear, see the cracks and the posters in the wall yeah. and everything. It's uh... every everything is and yeah, like it's it it that I think like creating that idea of something being a memory is much harder to actually do successfully on film than people realize, and I think often 
you end up relying on you know using different color palettes and like you know even a more subtle on more subtle films it's never able to achieve what this does which is where you don't even really realize that you're in kind that you are in a memory until you've kind of gotten a bit into it and then because sort of because this film just kind of starts and you have to get in line with it very quickly because otherwise you you end up just kind of like what because initially because i like the film started and you have those first couple of scenes whenever they're moving in and uh i initially picked i was like you never like you never see their faces you never see the faces of the other couple which is really interesting i want to talk more about that but like so and immediately you're having to like adjust to exactly what the filmmaker is doing but because he like just starts it and keeps us very consistent although until we get to the end, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, Very, very consistent kind of style of sort of almost like the way your memory works where it's never linear. It's very rarely that you recall things completely in sequence or where, you know, what would be deemed the most important parts of a certain part of your life are the ones that have, you know, like often it is the small little things that you remember. So it's like the fa- the way of it almost that you're like changing a channel almost yeah, between like scenes just switch and all of a sudden you are weeks in the future or months in the future. And it's also the disorientation uh, because the two characters are sometimes playing other people yeah, which that you I, don't know when first, you come in the scene in if you're scene, if you're watching them or are you watching them playing yeah. another part and then it even uh, becomes even more confusing because they're playing themselves but pretending yeah. to be like two weeks in the future yeah. how we will say goodbye and yeah stuff. i think it does it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of um but like the before sunset and before sunrise that kind of idea of like um like passersby and missed connections and and you know like that kind of aspect of it just like very briefly and as well and because so much of this is them kind of wandering around talking to each other but um I do like the kind of um the repetition as well of them kind of like um passing each other as um as they as she's like going to get noodles and he's just come back he's just coming from the noodle place like it's you know like they're they're it it, it takes a while for them to get in step with each yeah. other and then because like they don't really you don't really have them properly bonding because even say whenever she gets trapped in his room <laughs> i love her neighbors or i love the people that they live with they're so funny it's like a three-day fucking poker game like <laughs> but um even then they're still very awkward around each other so it's not really until he has like the hotel room and they start really getting into the writing that you finally have the real <clears throat> the real connection happening which i kind of like as well that it's not that you get all this build-up because for them it's as important as their like their final kind of like coming together with not really coming together or whatever but like all all that like kind of heady sort of um intense build-up up to them to act even like up until them first first hanging out is like really really intensive like glances and small touches and small very polite kind of you know oh, what should i call you like oh you know is your wife in like <clears throat> how much do you know about how one car white makes movies did you read a lot about the making of or no, anything no i didn't really read very much about this actually because i had such a I did, I strong didn't, take that you didn't I, yeah need it. I know it's but i've kind of managed to avoid i like i knew fair like what this movie looked like because i'd seen so many like video essays and stuff video essays not even video essays but just like pictures of it and 
I knew what it was going to look like. I knew what the stars looked like. I knew roughly what his sort of visual style was and maybe kind of like what the theme of it was. But I didn't really read up on him at all. Uh, he, he His movies are completely uh, improvised. He goes, like he writes what would be a treatment just for the investors so they know that there's like some kind of idea. Yeah. And then he spends months and months just shooting material with the actors and developing the characters and story that way. See, I would get that in... I would believe that in their performances because they're very naturalistic and very, like, understated and very... There's not, you know, like, there's there's a lot... There's, you know, a lot of dialogue in this, but it's not... Everything feels very well chosen. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that they're kind of, like, self-editing as they speak because they're, you know, constantly on edge of not saying, the, you know, not saying the wrong thing. Yeah. But not of the cinematography. Like, that. that's interesting. Well, and as well, Christopher Doyle, the cinematographer who is, uh, I think, a Brit like, yeah. Or, yeah. or Australian. I can't remember. I think now. he's British. Uh, but he's been living in Hong Kong for years and years. Yeah. And uh, he, he's famously also a drinker on set. Like, the, he'd be, like, drinking <laughs> whiskey in between... <laughs> Well, whatever, and uh, the is reason he a bit of a chipped Rafferty. Is yeah, <laughs> the reason that there's two cinematographers is that it Someone took had so to long over. for the movie, not for his drinking. It was just that yeah. the movie took so long to make that um. he had to like go and do another job because, like, for the nature of movie making, it's not that you get paid by the hour; you get paid yeah, for yeah, the project. Yeah. We'll get to the ending eventually because it is <laughs> one of the, 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 the things that people uh, bring up about this movie quite yeah. often uh, but the other thing Christopher Doyle in, uh, in an interview that I think that it, it really shows the 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 biggest theme in Carvalho's work yeah especially in this movie that is the sense of duality men and women uh, the adulterers and the people they're not being yeah it's all about twos let's say the two apartments the mm. the friends the um China and uh, the West yeah. that even her dresses are like traditionally Chinese and beautiful. Yeah. And uh, he's just dressed like madman kind of thing. Yeah. And all these dualities and uh, Christopher Doyle in the in interview he he just goes to this shopping mall and in the shopping mall for some reason all the escalators only go up and then next to the escalator there's a staircase. So people can walk down and he goes, that is China <laughs> and the West. This is Hong Kong kind of thing. The, and I think that... That's quite interesting. It's also the the interesting uh, political context of the movie that it only came out, it came out three years after uh, Hong Kong reverted to Chinese power. Yeah. And I think that it is interesting going back to the 60s when so much of colonial Asia uh, became quote-unquote independent mm. like with the french pulling out of vietnam in 62 or no 58 and cambodia singapore uh and i think yeah. that it is a uh it's an interesting exploration it's an interesting topic it's an interesting backdrop i think um like see i don't know a massive amount of i know like a vague history of like china and hong kong but not but not enough to kind of really pick up on it it kind of embedded in the other themes of the movie and the way you're talking there about the yeah. duality and everything so i didn't really pick up on that but 
that's just kind of like another level underneath all the other stuff that's going well, on. No, it is a movie that uh, <laughs> I've watched it about four or five times. I can't remember how long, but it's kind of weird as well because it's always like the memory. I, every time that I sit down, I kind of forgot what order the film plays. Yeah. Because it becomes it becomes a mood. It's a shuffle kind it, of. of it, is one, it is one of those movies as well that has a very specific title in English, yeah. but all the titles like in foreign markets are really good as well like in the it, the actual uh normal title of the movie like the chinese title yeah it's uh the age of blossoms it's from a like a story or a parable or something isn't yeah it? like a chinese kind of like totally totally appropriate for this and like kind of like thinking of the lost sort of times of youth or the lost kind of um like even the the, the word blossom that are like especially yeah, it's for finite the, it's yeah and it's about blooming uh, at the same time for especially uh, asian people like uh, from hong kong to japan that they really celebrate the blossom season let's say yeah so like it, it's reverting to childhood and innocence kind of thing because you have your holidays and all that mm. and uh, kind of i purity. really yeah and i really like the 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 french uh title as well which is uh the silence of desire <laughs> that's a bit on the, that's a bit kind of on the nose though that's yeah, so french uh, <laughs> no, I can't do it. <laughs> uh, it's interesting though that it's in the mood for love um Obviously, for the English markets, but like, because I was thinking about you know, like the song, and obviously the the song is important in that title. But um, in a way, like the song is kind of ironic because it's like, um, the last verse of that song is "If there's a cloud above, if it should rain, we'll let it. But for tonight, forget it." So that kind of like throwing caution to the wind, which is sort of the opposite of what the characters do. Yeah, you know, it's like. I, lo- I love the uh, Carwai's use of music and it's purely yeah. out of his personal taste. And uh, going back to the Moonlight link of the uh, of the next picture show is yeah. the fact of like using non-Spanish singers and just putting like <laughs> Spanish songs in. Yeah. That uh, in Moonlight is Cantino Veloso singing Cucuru Cucu Paloma. But that is also a reference to one Carwai movie that Cantino Veloso sings that song. So it's like... <laughs> There's always this, uh, okay. and like it, it was such a big movie when it came out that I think that it has permeated through uh, a lot of work in Hollywood. Even oh, a single man. <laughs> yeah, not only a, a single man. A single man is like stylistically is pretty much a ripoff. Even they oh use the God. color, the oh slow motion. Oh my God! I had no idea how. St- well, he uses the same because as soon as the film started and I heard the first like like notes of the score, I was like single man and i was like immediately and then as the film goes on you realize how much more tom ford stole from this movie it's like, oh, like absolutely everything but <laughs> even the era no, and everything he borrowed like, well yeah okay he tells his own slant on it um, but also like the unrequited <clears throat> love or requ- like forbidden yeah, love let's yeah. say uh, and the hiding in plain sight yeah yeah like um but what's interesting as well in this movie is the the fact that they're talking about like the how they'd be ostracized by society if they are cheating, etc., mm. etc. But their couples are cheating and they're not facing that. It's almost that they care too much about it. Yeah. And that you never know if it is an actual thing of society in Hong Kong at well, that's the time. It. It's almost like self-imposed. Because that's why I think it's interesting is that 
they obviously have their kind of like slightly overbearing kind of mother figure uh like well she does but even though she's kind of there and she's very mothering and she's very like nosy and look trying to look after her and everything and like you know oh you shouldn't go out as much but she's not she's not incredibly overbearing like an awful lot of the time it feels like they're not hiding from society it's like they're hiding from their own feelings like it's complete it's yeah. almost like self-imposed restriction like in, in in the way of um uh it happened one night as well yeah. like the kind of this like literally physically building a wall like that forcing themselves into the platonic because like oh um like Odin saying like oh there's nothing between us you know like it's fine there's nothing between us and it's like uh, well it is not just shove down that <laughs> I, I don't think it's a platonic whatsoever in the movie and the, no. the some critics go like oh they both uh, uh, are in agreement with having it as a platonic relationship and the other critics say that Tony Lung is the one pushing for something more a, and yeah. I think that it's they take turns in pushing yeah. is that they never meet emotionally at the um, same time. At the same time. Misconnections. Yeah. The, yeah. But even in the same room. Yeah. That is not the, the misconnection of, oh, I got no, on the wrong yeah, train like, kind of thing. Yeah. Is that, like, if she be, like, really going, being forward towards him. Yeah. And him pushing back and then he'll be Vice coming versa. forward. And, like, even the fact that she shows up in the apartment, that like, he's, like, when he rents the apartment for them to work in martial yeah. arts comics, yeah. the he rents the apartment is obviously like not just to write kind of thing, but in a way as like an ultimatum for her to show up. Yeah. So when she shows up, she's like, "Okay, the ball is in it's your like, court yeah, now." Yeah, it's a constant game of chicken. Like it's it's just back and like I I think that's interesting that because as I was watching and I was like. You're like, you know, you, you, I think what, what the way the movie plays out is you notice that he wants more first. So I guess then you notice his and because he has such an earnest face that his emotions are much clearer than hers are. She's much more aloof and reserved. Yeah. And, and even just her poise. Like he's he's sort of like as the movie goes on, he's becoming more and more kind of like, you know, crouching it on himself where she's just can't like this just sort of stoic you know, and they're perfect dresses. Oh my God, her dresses. Oh yeah, like uh, they're... Jesus uh, Christ. Uh, uh, I've never in my entire life wanted an entire wardrobe. Oh my God. Even though I can never pull it off. I was like, but Even after sleeping in a dress, she I'll just shows stop. up and it's like And then flawless. spending the entire fucking evening and eating nothing but greasy fucking rice and she still looks amazing. It's like, fuck off. But uh, <laughs> well, like both of them are just ridiculously good looking oh, well, people. Oh yeah, they really are. Like, um... But yeah, like, so I think maybe that because you pick up on his more obviously than hers, that it seems like he's making, but that's just his character. Whereas she is, you know, often on the same level as him, but and reaching the same levels of wanting this to happen, but not, but just not showing it in the same ways that he does. So it's like, it seems like he's pushing her into it. And it's like. And even like where they had that, you know, I'd love when they have conversations and you're like, who are you talking about? Like, because whenever um, they, uh, he's when he tells her that he's in love with her, but I can't remember now, or she's like, oh, I didn't expect you to fall in love with me. And I can't remember now if that was them pretending to be the other couple. I think it is. You know what I mean? But at the time you're like, you're like, no, she's lying. She loves you too. But does she? Ah, it's like, 
it's such a, like all these like shifting oh, yeah, like, and the, there are scenes that you that like to this day you depending on when i watch it i don't know yeah. who's saying what kind of yeah, thing yeah it's really really and if it's so funny because like it feels like up until the end like it feels like that it that was his complete you know obviously it was his intention to have it that kind of shifting but it feels like like it's completely incredibly like um to the pinpoint accuracy plan not that he just was able to like get this from these act obviously these are really good actors but like getting this from the actors and everything else going on um like through improvisation like that's crazy like it just feels because well, like, movie I, I, don't never... think that, I think it's improvised but not yeah. to the sense of like a Jude Apatow movie that you don't yeah. know what they're no, going to do while rolling, rolling it. Yeah, yeah, is yeah, that yeah, they'll yeah. be improvising and then they go yeah. okay this is the scene and then shoot it like there you see like pictures on the set of them just like being like wearing t-shirts or yeah. whatever well, you get the sense and then when that, they're ready um... to shoot the scene they get ready and then they go in. You it's... get the sense that they spend an awful lot of time with their character. Yeah, and even like the when uh, she hugs him after uh, she breaks down, pretending to be herself, telling her husband <laughs> that she knows that she's cheating on him, but she's t- telling Tony Leung's character that. Yeah. And uh, that came out less confusing than I thought it would come out. Uh, How do you? But the the she, she starts hugging him and crying, and he just grabs her by the shoulder in a slightly unnatural way. Yeah. But you can tell that it's because he wants to touch her skin. Because if you just hug her normally, yeah, you're touching the dress. You might get a little graze, but you're not gonna get the arm touching him. Yeah. <laughs> and then this is like him just like kind of rubbing, but it's not yeah. sexual whatsoever, but so sexual. Yeah, this is such a like ah shifting like mind fuck of a movie where you're just, oh my god, it's so like it's so intense. Uh, like I, what I really want more than anything is for someone to this to get like a I suppose it'll be the twenty year re release or something now at this point. Uh, I can see this in a cinema because I feel like that that would almost be like overwhelming. Yeah. Because you're getting the uh, the sound and uh, like we didn't actually say this when we were talking about the soundtrack there, but the soundtrack's amazing. Yeah. Like not just the pop music, but the actual soundtrack itself. Yeah, the repeating theme. I think that the 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 note of music that he uses the uh, the composition that he uses. Yeah. That because it's repeated throughout the movie in similar places i think that that's why yeah. it, it, it creates this cyclical kind well, of nature to the movie it's kind of because um, you're not uh being able let's say if you're talking about lord of the rings that is like three and a half hours long or whatever yeah that the themes are so different and unique that you're able to link in your memory as you were saying yeah how the scenes in what order they play out because of the music more than the, the actual action on screen and because they reuse the same song, yeah. uh, piece they're of music often, over and they're over. They're often like vignettes in a way because in that nature of of your memory, how like, you know, memories don't start with a nice little introduction, a nice little ending. You get little flashes of a little scene and then, you know, a nice interlude. <laughs> but um, I think as well, I noticed that a lot of the time, the little musical sequences are accompanied by the kind of the slow motion. And often it's kind of when... Like a character, the single man. <laughs> uh, well, mm, yes, yeah, more than one way Tom Ford <laughs> managed to rip this off. But uh, I still love a single man. But anyways, um, 
but it often kind of like whenever a character is like um you know within a situation where they're not getting what they want but they can't even quite acknowledge what they want where they're just dissatisfied and a little bit listless and often off in the corner of the frame and you know that it's it's or else like they're they're moving somewhere but they're they're clearly like it's it's like the kind of um the things that are linking all the scenes together being like their emotion so it's sort of like of either like frustration but it's not even really frustration because frustration is like admitting that you want something you know what I mean it's like all these just yeah it's just the idea of it being so much like a memory and especially like I feel that maybe coming to this film when you're younger you may not get as much from it because you don't quite have well not necessarily but you have that idea of nostalgia with your childhood but not sort of with your kind of um you know, idea of like not first love but that kind of even like the sort of really intense friendships that you have when you're younger yeah and then how you can only really look back on them in this kind of way when you have like a decade away from them well, like I, I watched it for the first time like I, well, i'm just well, i'm just curious if it's 20 if it because if it great it gains more potency well, like, I think it gains more potency every time that you watch it, more than anything because of the memory uh, thing that you, you said. Yeah. The thing that is in itself just related with my age is that every time that I watch it, it becomes part of my memory. Yeah, The movie yeah. itself. And so, then even, like, the time that you watched it and the last time and yeah, it, it, as it, well like, as what happened. How and, when Nakin Cole starts singing Kisas, 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 yeah, and I know it's going to be, it's going to come in the shot in the red David Lynch corridor. Oh, my God, I love those curtains. And the <laughs> camera is, like, coming back and panning up. Yeah. And uh, Tony Lung is just standing there looking like James Bond. And because of the moment as well, that you have this like iconic imagery after she doesn't show up. Yeah. So it's kind of like the hero shot. Like, I don't think it is a mistake that it is pure James Bond because it's so bittersweet. Yeah. Especially because it's the 60s as well. So, like, James Bond be like coming out. Prominent. (laughs) So. The, when that moment is coming in, like my like my heart begins to swell because I know that that moment is coming in, but it's a thing of memory. That <laughs> then it's like that emotion because it's the scene. I think that for one, I fucking love Nakinko, and no movie with oh a Nakinko soundtrack can as be. As soon as it started, I was like, "What is that? Oh my god, that's Nakinko!" That's why like... I think that I love uh, Balance and uh, and uh, Witness purely because they use Nakinko soundtrack like songs in it. Yeah. And but it's the the weird combination that it's like a Chinese director working in Hong Kong with a, an American singer singing in Spanish, yeah, but it's, it's the nineteen sixties. Yeah, um, we have to talk about this as a period piece. Yeah, because I could I it, I think it's just crazy that this is made in the year 2000 because it looks like i mean amc managed it to a certain extent with mad men but this is like another level of not even just in like the little period details because obviously i don't really know what hong kong looked like in the 60s but more in the color palette and whatever film stock they're using like it it is so and even like at certain points it feels quite french new wave yeah Uh, like in a lot of different ways um 
but it is I'd like I think that it would not have worked if yeah vi- visually <coughs> it, it looks a lot like Liam Pre more than yeah. anything and they used the music it as well it does look like Liam Pree. Oh. and the use of the same theme musically yeah. over and over I didn't actually think of that that's interesting yeah and like yeah it is like the whole thing of it like coming full circle as well and kind of the little um, individual aspects of it but yeah it's just it, it's actually was like watching it going there's like not one moment of this that dates it to the year 2000 at all. Like, and you think of the visual style of the year 2000. Like, you know, you're barely out of the 90s. You know, digital like you, film you isn't even it. really happening properly yet. Like, it doesn't like, look like a Blink-182 music <laughs> video. <laughs> like, it's just it's the richness of the colours. Going to the, the sense of the actors as well, in the context of who they are in Chinese and Asian cinema, they'll be like, if you have a romantic yeah, movie with Brad that. Pitt and Angelina Jolie, but they don't kiss yeah. in the entire movie. Yeah. It's, and I think that that makes the, the tension, the sexual tension oh, between the two of them even greater when you know that context, because yeah. it, it is literally getting like the two superstars that you yeah. have. And make them be almost there for like two, nearly, well, now I'm 40 minutes. Yeah. Like just almost kissing, let's say, or Jesus almost Christ. touching sometimes. It's so to, intense. Like uh, touching fingertips and then oh not God. touching fingertips Jesus. in a cab. Like, and yeah, and she puts her fucking head on her shoulder and I was like, <gasps> oh my God. It's like, it's just, they touched. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how like a film like this can really like just reprogram your you know, like your, like the, your expectations and how certain things, when they are brought back down to such a low level, how they gain more power than when something is so much in your face. You know, like it's it's just it's like I can't think of a modern movie that is um, well, this is obviously a modern movie, but a more like more recent movie that it's managed to kind of evoke that level of like sexiness, but without you know and like like maintaining it not even like doing it through like this level of like chasteness but even even by introducing small amounts of like actual like romantic scenes or whatever but being able to like keep that level of like intense yeah attraction and even like the character wise like the 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 two relationships that i find the most interesting in the movie almost are uh her relationship with her boss that she's organizing his affairs yeah yeah as soon as they had the scene with the handbags i was like that's where he got the idea <laughs> like from the boss <laughs> and then the uh, uh tony lung's friendship with the bald guy can't remember his name oh yeah and i think that like it, it, the first time that i watched it the movie was like oh that dude is a bit of a dickhead kind of thing you know like he just says what he means etc etc but like really he's crass the pol- he's stuff. the polar opposite though yeah of, exactly yeah. that it's like he's way happier and actually a better person and realizes who he is yeah that when tony goes he's not trying oh, to be i this... don't keep any secrets like, he just literally almost spits out his food <laughs> going like you're the most secretive person ever <laughs> it's funny how much of a role food plays in this um, just kind of even from like so there's sort of like the 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 female aspect of it of like you know like women making meals for like the family and all that kind of thing and, and her like not wanting to cook by herself and going out and getting the noodles and all the different things that are going on there but even just like how much of their little meetings revolve around food and, and when they're and describing what they're eating and what she's cooking it just like it, it made me feel like i was watching a blue apron ad <laughs> 
even the little details of like the overpopulation of Hong Kong, the they're both wealthy ish. Families, yeah, well, they but have you can't jobs. afford even an apartment. You, you yeah, or that there's room. there's like no room nearly. That you know what I mean. That everything and everything is like that's. But they really achieve the claustrophobia of that because, like, the only scenes where you feel that there is any space is when they go to the other apartment. Yeah, because there's like this big long flowing hallway and like the room's really big. You know, it's still shot quite tightly, but it doesn't have like I mean the scene whenever they were like bringing the furniture and they're moving in that just stressed me out because I was like oh it's so cramped and oh god and I hate moving so I don't like watching scenes of people moving because I and find it upsetting. Well, like uh, <laughs> just maybe think of friends where they're yeah. like they're, they're, pivot, pivot. pivot. <laughs> what do you think of the decision not showing the spouses? The cheating scumbags. Initially, I was a bit like, it 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 felt kind of like oh, like sort of like a cop out or something. But then, as you get through it, you realize that they are enough of a presence without ever being seen, because they are having such an impact on these other two people that, yeah. and you're seeing like them through their performances of them, yeah. which is so much more interesting. And it's because as well, like, and it, it saves not, them having to yeah. actually do a good impre- impersonation. Uh, yeah, of... like you don't like, you don't need to see them because they're not, it's not about them. It's not even really about infidelity. Like it's about like, you know, denial really, I suppose. And, and like fate and but not like that fate not ever really working out in your favor and you know like it's not like i think the quote at the start is kind of interesting um where basically he doesn't have the courage to speak and so she turns away yeah you know it's it's like that it's kind of true of both of them that it's not quite been able to be honest with either themselves or each other and kind of like you know never showing a tiny bit but then just like retracting it back again because it's like yeah. I said it as uh, your husband, not as myself, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, and like using them as like a shield. And it all, it's not <coughs> shot as a cop on, like you said, that it's, uh, it doesn't feel like uh, like the lower face of the neighbor home improvement or something. No, that it I is thought of like um, the teacher the parents, Charlie Brown the parents or in, uh, in uh, Cow and Chicken, if you only ever see yeah. the legs. <laughs> oh, those hairy legs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah no was the film because it's only at the start when you really notice that that's what they're doing but then and, and also there's like the scene that Tony Long is in the, in the bedroom with her and uh, when they get stuck there yeah but because they ref- he refrains from showing her face for so long you think it is his wife yeah and because they're playing the yeah, you think, you think that it's like, oh, it's the cheating husband and wife kind of thing, and then <laughs> when she's hiding just, and you just see the little yeah. slippers, yeah, ah, yes, the little slippers. But they're like so bad at hiding that they're cheating, like the oh other my couple. God, like, like they, she knocks on the door and it's like, oh, it was your wife. <laughs> like, oh, they're so funny, and it's just they're wandering around the street as well, going to it's Japan. Like, it's it's like, like, dudes. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it's it's quite funny, but um, and I I do like that um so much of like even just like going back to the framing and how the framing around how you see little aspects of them and even like you see her in her job and like from what they say of her and just those tiny little things you get her character almost it's like you don't need to see her yeah that she's you know? very exact like you could see yeah. like her sitting there very proper yeah like the her boss 
pretty much telling her to like <laughs> uh, book like a motel so she can uh, he can have sex and she has to tell him not to cheat on his wife that night because it's her birthday oh, and uh oh god and um, yeah did you get me a present for her yes <laughs> <laughs> um but even just like um so it's like I think the film noir thing really comes from like that so much is a shot like it's like down hallways yeah. or in mirrors or through doorways or and there you were saying about like the duality there's that one nice really shot nice shot whenever the, the the song is playing like on the radio and it's like the split between the two walls where they're yeah. sitting and it made me think of um this Irish film actually um called Disco Pigs um with Killian Murphy um which has a similar kind of split wall thing going on but anyways is that um, Walt Whitman. No. Not Walt Whitman. Um, I know it's Stallman. Yeah, that one. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Mike Atta, Mike Atta. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> what I love about this movie is that it's such a small movie, but it feels epic. Yeah. You know, there's not that many locations. There, It's a small cast. It's a very, very small story. Unconsequential yeah. story. It's like a story about not a story not happening. Yeah, basically. It feels like it's a movie about like Hong Kong, like a war movie almost, you know, like in the sense that it <laughs> feels. It, yeah. Uh, the... yeah, I had a similar feeling at the end of it um, as I did at the end of 20th Century Women, actually, that like it's almost Even like the use of music uh, in that movie. Yeah, exactly. You know, where it's like you feel like dead inside almost because it's so like emotional and. But at the same time, it is still a very small story that's really telling a universal story, as they say. Well, like a soundtracking episode on the movie as well. Like, <laughs> but we have to stop talking about other podcasts on yeah. our podcast, Ricardo. <laughs> We're not sponsored by other podcasts, <laughs> or indeed Blue Apron. But the the thing we, but that's the thing with the, the music as well. It's that it, it gives this punch to the movie, and yeah. I think that is a perfectly uh modulated movie that it'd be very easy to go too melodramatic or mm. to be too reserved almost but even even that like it, it's just perfect to, in like to, tonality wise yeah. it, it, it yeah. is perfect throughout Tonally it's it's excellent but well, what do you think of the end yeah just before actually we, we get to that um just as you're you're saying there about um like, I feel it that as we talk about this, that anyone who's not seen it, this does not do it justice. This is a very hard movie to describe because it is like describing a feeling or describing, yeah. you know, it's, it's it, you need to see it <laughs> before you can fully understand the kind of the feeling. That yeah, it doesn't have like huge, like dialogue scenes. It's not a, a Aaron Sorkin script no, or... No, 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 no. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's a small movie, but... Not yeah, it's a movie that happens in between things almost. That like yeah, uh, is that... it's yeah, it's what you don't see is as important as yeah, and that's it's very interesting actually what he chooses not to show. Yeah, definitely. But um, well, I hear that there's a, a not a cut because it's never making it to the movie. Yeah, but the first thing that they shot was the two of them having sex because he wanted to create this kind of body intimacy. Yeah. Between the, the actors and the characters. But they're never going to use it. But never going to use ah, it kind of thing. That's because then you have that sexuality. Because the actors not knowing that it's not going to happen. They yeah, think that yeah, they have yeah. to get to a point. Where that that's that going to happen. Can, that that scene can fit it in. It never does. So the ending. Um, <laughs> it's interesting what you were saying about how he doesn't stop editing up until... Um, up until he has like to release Cadmus it. Like tomorrow. Yeah, literally. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, okay. I'll export it then. 
Yeah. Um, this film goes from being what I feel is like so totally wait, before. We go further into the discussion because there's like two endings almost. So yeah, are we well, talking about from the, the part of Singapore or the Cambodia bit? Um, see, in my mind, there's kind of three endings because the first ending where she goes to the fucking room and he's not there. Yeah. That's an ending. Yeah. And it should end it there. No. Yes. No. No, like definitely. Well, no, okay, right. This is this is what I suggest because in my mind there are too many locations that are given what like five minutes each. Yeah. Where it's just and you're like, why are we moving again? And then it's like, oh, the whole thing. I'm not even talking about fucking Cambodia because that is so misjudged and it upset me because I was like, this is not the same movie. Why are we spending like ten minutes of just shots of this fucking temple? Like. Cut away from the temple. And it's like the, the power of him telling that little story where his friend is just like eating, being like, what are you talking about? It's like, you can see him doing it. You don't need to see him doing it. You know what I mean? It's like, and there's a lingering, oh, Jesus. Let's just forget about Cambodia. Singapore would work if they lopped off Cambodia and left that scene as one scene in the future. Like, so we go from this to like, however many, it's like what, a year later or yeah. something? And, and she had rings that. them and... Because uh, you saying, you saying about it being... They, they could have made a whole movie about that, but or else they just could have made the end part of the movie be about that. You know what I mean? It's just like, it just keeps going back and you're like, no, you've just like shot like the beautiful, perfect, pure nature of like the bittersweet, like, you know, I was, you're destroyed at the end of that scene when she's in that hotel room. And then the whole fucking thing just like falls like a deck of Perfectly placed cards. I disagree with you entirely, and I think <laughs> that's that fine. But I've you're always not me. <laughs> to to be to begin with. I always had a, a better uh, like I like the ending more than you do now. Let's say, <laughs> but with every rewatch, I like it more and more. Okay. That I, in the beginning, like the first time I watched, it, I went, "Yeah, it's it's an alright ending. It's not good or bad." And now I love it. <laughs> and hear me out. Okay. Like I might okay. be like. We might disagree at the end, but at least I just want you to understand why I say this. You put your point out, it's fine. Is that, first of all, when you go to Singapore and it's like a year later, I don't have any issues with that moment whatsoever. That she rings him Mm. and he doesn't, uh, he answers and she doesn't speak. And then he realizes that she was in his apartment Mm. because of the lipstick and the cigarette bud. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that is perfectly modulated that both of them know that she was in that room. Yeah, she leaves it. And they could very easily just go like he could go back to Hong Kong or even find her in yeah. Singapore and go like, oh, yeah, like, what were you doing in my room? Or, <laughs> what are you doing in <laughs> Singapore? Want to come back thing. to my room again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when I come to Singapore. But not really, because our love can never be. What I loved about the... Uh, the Cambodia scene, especially when you're watching the second time, the going back to your memory thing, yeah, is that it brings in the the sense of history, like the 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 entirety of uh, like the girl showing up to Cambodia to pretty much like the last act of imperialist France in that zone because they had already left Vietnam, mm. and also gives it the this world that was like literally two rooms, three rooms maybe. Yeah, it literally put, contextualizes it 
into the bigger picture of the the planet at that time and the political situation of the era and i think it's I don't think really you need, i don't think he it, needed to be so like hammered home. but that's the thing is that the, look at these ruins look at the past and the future and every, like well like it, with the ruins i think that it is a like perfect for the character yeah that he would like i can imagine him doing that like the, well, of course, that's what I'm saying. It. You totally can, and you even just from like before even he said this is a little story. You totally picture him doing it, but I don't need to see it. And one of the once I caught this movie before I watched it. Yeah. The the first time that I caught it, I caught just the end of it, and I had no idea what he was doing to that wall. <laughs> <laughs> Like this is very odd. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, the other the other version of this movie that they left yeah. on the cutting room floor. <laughs> yeah, he has a fetish about walls and just give it like, like I think that it, it is hit over the head, but like so is the rest of the movie. Like it is a movie about subtlety, but it's the most unsubtle movie about subtlety ever. That the characters are being subtle and everything, but it gets highlighted and blown up to like a million degrees by just like the music yeah, the slow motion and the imagery it's because it's so self-contained that you buy into it completely whereas this whenever it's suddenly like you're saying about it being given like the global context it's like all of a sudden you're like Ugh! you're like knocked out of it and you're like wait what jesus no yeah, but like, i find it incredibly displacing and just stupid well, <laughs> that is the like i think that the objective is to oh, be displacing and i fine, think that when you know that it's coming as well yeah it is not as shocking as okay. uh the first time that you watch and also when you had that as well, a, i will ending, i intend fully to watch this movie yeah. again many times I, but I don't stop it, so. it uh, when she leaves <sighs> kind of thing. okay okay but at least he, because that's what I feel. That's why every time that I watch, I kind of uh, like that it's ending more. It's a grower. More. It's a grower. It's that it contextualizes the rest of the movie. And I think it only works as an ending, really, when you already know that that's the ending on the movie. Yeah. And I think that that's the genius of that ending, that every time that I watch it, because I know it's it, 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 not only that it's coming, but every time what I said in the opening Do about... Do you feel like it builds more to that than... Not only that it builds more to it, is that it shows like how insignificant their love affair is from the beginning. Is that it? It's not only a a, a relationship that it ends in failure that you know that is gonna end in yeah. failure. It's also a story that is so minimal that not even the people in the well, apartments that, very, yeah, like, are affected by it. And it's it's so like the fact that like they are middle class, they are comfortable, yeah. they have nice jobs, they you know like this is not like social like economic kind of setting where you know they're like living in the slums and it's like forbidden love or whatever it's like this is very kind of like middle class hong kong where you know everyone is comfortable and just has to live in crowded apartments because there are no apartments like modern day dublin so and yet we don't know our neighbors <laughs> yeah but that's the thing is that it, it, it's not only that it builds up to it is that i think uh, it contextualizes the movie in the period as well yeah in a way that just having the the music or the period details that the movie has uh, it makes it a stronger piece of work. I think that it goes beyond the just have being it a love story. Yeah. Is okay. It, well, I I didn't need it to do that, and I feel like it could have been more subtly handled. But okay, I'll I'll. I well, like I accept, this movie is not subtle whatsoever. <laughs> I like accept I your reading, but uh, I do not as yet agree with it. 
well like even if i'm wrong i'm wrong from watching the movie more times so my oh, my your opinion has more validity no it? is that i can be wrong but <laughs> you knowing more <laughs> <laughs> what's uh, your what's your favorite thing about the film uh i think it is the the way that he makes the movie it's yeah. a weird thing because his All cinema yeah because the way that he improvises uh like his movies mm. gives them uh, this is by far the most measured one like that it feels a lot more constructed than the other yeah. movies yeah yeah but it creates a sense of immediacy that i think that writing in a script in your room by yourself you kind of you can't yeah. create that and i think they create it with the actors and with the yeah. The locations and with the and that's why it gives that that power of uh of being a movie that it feels really substantial and epic and it's really about the smallest of things yeah and that is like recurrent in his work and what he always said as a filmmaker is that i just make movies about things that i care about and they ask him oh why did you choose that to put that song in the movie he goes because i like the song (laughs) that there's is like a group of very very intelligent and talented people yeah using all the information that they have but without overthinking what they're doing and then finding it out in the edit afterwards it's not it's not a thesis you know it's 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 just a it's like going by like a mood that you want to create, but not quite sure how you're going to do it or what it'll look like in the end. But even the visual motifs that repeat over yeah. time is just like those created on set. Yeah, it, it makes absolute sense. Like it, it it makes it even more impressive on a second and a third watch. That it feels like you're in a controlled environment when you yeah. are not kind of thing and yeah I, I just really like that uh what was your favorite thing orla um her dresses um <laughs> <laughs> no uh, like the production design uh, well and... yeah the production design is amazing but um probably the two leads um i mean i think everyone is, is really impressive in this but even the the characters that have very small scenes or very short, small pieces within the scenes but they're just oh like incredible just serious like not even just in uh their chemistry but in scenes that they hold just by themselves they're incredibly strong like even just like the mundane scenes of him in the office or oh, her... smoking looks so cool in yeah <laughs> her and uh her sitting at her tiny desk like it feels like it, it, it looks like, like a child's desk what it, it looks like donald me, trump's desk yeah, it, it's <laughs> president, president banner <laughs> not anymore but dun, Steve. Dun, dun. <laughs> but uh yeah probably probably their performances like they're just they're magnetic and oh, just incredible like so watchable and so like like you really empathize with them like it's and you can feel also the 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 teamwork in the sense of how they created the character yeah, that even yeah, in yeah. The, together it, yeah that it's like this moment of beauty in the mundane like when he's smoking in the office like you're saying that the camera <laughs> just pans down from like the smoke uh, shining yeah. on the light and that's another like sequence where the music is, is used in a kind of a because it's this kind of like it's like mundane but he's clearly troubled it's like this sort of and even his posture how he sits over the, the yeah. like he's attacking the the, <laughs> the typewriter kind of thing yeah. 
it's not like it it shows as well i think the the difference between her and her job and him and his mm. is almost that he's able to be freed at work and but she's, she's not, more even more oppressed uh, kind yeah of thing. because she's in this room with this man who's doing what her husband is doing so it's like yeah but um i do like those scenes as well because you kind of get to see her being like quite you know like she's she's authoritative in her in her role like she's not just like a secretary like she has like she's you know you see scenes of her where she's like in control of things in control of like you know it's it's like there's like it's nice an executive little... pa rather than a secretary yeah exactly kind of like and it's you know she's she really carries it um so it's, i really like those scenes but um what's your least favorite thing it's not the ending anyways no, um, guess what mine is <laughs> Uh, my least favorite thing, I think, is probably the fact that she isn't. She, she's in the the other apartment. And she has a baby. I thought that it was like a very oh, slight misjudgment. Yeah. The. Uh, you like, mean in one of the other endings? Yeah, like the. <laughs> the ending. Yeah, this ending? is like Return of the King or something. Uh, <laughs> but that I think that her buying the apartment. Yeah. Um, and <coughs> staying with her husband would have been mo- even more depressing than her being by herself but yeah. with a with a kid. You I know? don't know if he means it as depressing though necessarily that because she does she has something like she's she has her child and she you see him you see her with the child and she seems happy and you know what I mean. Well, obviously, it she is... did well in the divorce or whatever because <laughs> yeah. she can buy like an well, apartment I mean, in Hong Kong. She had a job of her, of her own. She was doing all right. And she got a but, discount um, as well. Of, uh, yeah, exactly. Going to, yeah, but, to um, America kind of thing. Yeah, but as well, it's the 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 question that the, if they have met as well is that if the kid was his or not. Yeah, they don't know how the actors play that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, like just conceptually thinking, but. Uh, but in that sense, I think that the kid wasn't needed. No, like uh, not even for like being. Is the moment in the in the movie is not uh, for her to be happy because she already did her bit when she's looking out the window to the uh, other yeah, apartment. Yeah, yeah. So this is Tony's bit. Yeah. And I think it's just a little bit too much kind of thing. That yeah. it's like, look what you missed out. Uh, that could have been you. Fuck you, Tony. <laughs> Fuck you should have said something, but instead she turned away. But yeah, <coughs> what's your least favorite part of the end? <laughs> 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 oh, that fucking thing of ruins. Just that tired. Oh, God. As soon as I cut to it, I knew what was going to happen as well. I was like, oh, there he is. There he is. Oh. Yeah, it just really annoyed me. <laughs> Cause, like, I was enjoying it so much at that point. You should see my notes. My notes are like, What? what <laughs> like i don't understand <laughs> i think you're going back being like what <laughs> yeah and that part of it because it was lingering so long i 100 percent expected her to appear yeah and like take his hand and then i was they like almost, oh it, no don't do that it almost turns into a tyrant smile movie oh god oh <laughs> see there we go <laughs> it was just somewhere in the back of my brain it was going <laughs> they're about to walk through a fucking wheat field uh <laughs> so that was in the mood for love uh from 2000 uh next week's film is your pick orla yeah (laughs) Um, what's the movie that you're gonna force me to watch this time oh is it one hard for you is it uh it's 2014's girlhood 
Oh, fresh off the boat. Yes. Uh, so where can they find us, Ricardo? Uh, they can find us on Twitter at the Rack Game. Uh, they can find us on Facebook, the Recommendation Game, or send us an email to the Recommendation Game at gmail dot com. And I was Ricardo Deacon. I was Orin McNeilis. Thanks for listening. See you next week. <laughs>